Hello and welcome. You're about to tune in to Uncensored, a podcast by Justin and Gerardo. So please sit back, unwind, put your feet up, and enjoy the episode you're about to listen. Justin and Gerardo will be with you momentarily. Georgia or South Carolina before I uh, ended up in New York City. And uh, so I never had been to New York City before. And when I found out like how close it was to where I grew up, I was like, how come no one just took us here? Right. It's (laughs) It's that close. It's like four hours. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not 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 that much of a drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that was the intro to episode five of the Uncensored podcast. Five. Please help us welcome our guest Nick. Nick, thank you so much for being on this on this episode, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, second guest of all time. That's it. Wow. <laughs> well, well, technically third because we had third. two. Because we had two in the other one, so you're the third one. Right. But hey, man, you're in the top three. Oh, that's so good, this, man. This is not as the, bad. Who was on the first? Who were the first two? Maybe I know them if they're comedians. Um, someone called uh, Face, and the other one named uh, Wayne Broadway, I think. Yeah. Sorry, Wayne. if I, but, I don't want to butcher his name. Don't don't want to make him not return back. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, how you been, man? I've been good, been? man. Just de- you know, dealing as best I can. You know, obviously we're all stuck in quarantine, so that's kind of. Uh, challenging and whatnot but everybody at least is doing it unless you live in florida i guess um, right oh my god dude. I, I saw a twitter uh a tweet on twitter about that and i was like oh my god these people are not serious right now <laughs> like the beaches were so packed i'm like bro are you kidding me it's like, like I, ne- I never wish you know terrible things on people but i've never yeah. just looked at a group of people and was like i hope they all get it like, yeah. I hope every <laughs> one of them gets the shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. But you are in New York, yep. which is kind of like the, I guess you can call it the epicenter of this whole yeah, COVID-19. A lot, of, a lot of ways, yeah. It's um, it's kind of crazy here. I mean, you know, they're digging mass graves in like the Bronx and they turned Central Park into like part of Central Park, I should say, into like a hospital under tents. And then they turned, we have the Javits center here, which is a big convention center where like Comic-Con is every year and stuff. That's now a makeshift hospital. They docked this giant ship. That's basically a floating hospital on the, on the, on the shore. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty surreal. It's like nothing, you know, and the same time is like, you're just living your life. So like you got to, you know, I have a dog, I have to walk my dog. I have to cook dinner and like those type of things that you do all the time. But it's just like, in the backdrop of this crazy shit that's going on. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, like I said in the previous episode, I never thought it would be to this extent, you know, uh, me either. Um, I know a Chinese guy, he's, he's lived in New York for maybe 15 years. And when this shit started happening in China, he was like already like freaking out. And I was thinking like, it's gotta be, he just must be a little sensitive about it. Cause he's from there. And maybe he's like concerned about his people or something, but he was like saying, this is going to get really bad. And I was thinking like, no, it's not like, come on. (laughs) What are you talking about? It's like so few people have it. 
I was like, pop, the Chinese, China has like 5 billion people by themselves or something like that. And who cares? Right. 3000 people got it. But boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think we, I think we all were, we all were, <laughs> I, I was, I was the exact same as you. I was like, you know what? It's in China. It's we're miles away from there. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. And look where we are now. Yep. <laughs> Fucking sucks, to be honest. It really, really does suck. It's, it's I mean, crazy. I miss I miss comedy so much. It's like you're used to going out to, to to comedy clubs and bars that have comedy shows and like you're just in front of people and like right. all that shit is like gone now. And it's it's yeah. and it's not like it's like a break or it's not like, hey guys, on you know, May 15th, all the places are opening. It's like, it's so yeah. open-ended. You don't really know. Yeah. And you're just like kind of itching because part of like every comedian is kind of like, um, I don't know. They're, 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 they like to be the center of attention, but on their own terms, we're all comedians are all kind of needy. We're all kind of like, if we don't have an outlet to put that shit, like our personal lives kind of go nuts where you, you know, like, you, you start just going crazy a little bit because part of being a, co- a comedian is like expression, like going on stage and like saying these crazy thoughts that you have in your head. And then when you don't have that anymore, you kind of just, you can go stir crazy pretty quickly. Right. Uh, before we continue, yeah. did I, did I say episode four in the beginning or episode five? I think you said episode five. Okay. Cause I don't want to fuck it up. <laughs> like it's 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 really this bad. Like I can't even remember, and we just did it like three minutes ago. <laughs> uh, That's fine. But, I, I have a podcast too. You can just fucking edit that shit out. It's easy. Yeah, it, it's it's whatever's. Yeah. Um, but let's 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 just move on from COVID nineteen. We yeah. don't want to make this episode yeah, no, depressing. Hearing that on the news, it's like, yeah. Oh, just talk about something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I totally, totally feel you. Um, how did you get your start? in comedy um well i was living in the south i was living in uh savannah georgia and um it's just something i always wanted to do in it but i never really felt realistic to ever do it you know like it's not like a thing where you really unless you're living in a place like new york city or los angeles or san francisco there's a few other like smaller cities that have stand-up scenes but if you live in a place where there's no stand-up scene, it just seems like a, a fantasy. Like, you know, like you want to be the quarterback of your favorite football team type of fantasy where, you know, it doesn't really – you can like daydream all you want, but it doesn't make tangible sense. So a, a, a right. comedy club opened up in, this, in Hilton Head, South Carolina, which is about, you know, an hour from where I was living. And I was like, Let's, I'm going to go do an open mic. You know, I, I want to try this. And I heard they have an open right. mic night. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to show up. I'm not going to go on. I just want to see how it works. And then I'll go and I'll write material and I'll come back. So I'll go up. Uh, and the way the open mic worked there, and this is much different. If you live in Los Angeles or New York and, you, and you're a comedian and you go to an open mic, it's basically you're in a room full of other open micers. There's no real audience there. But here at this particular club, the way the open mic worked, is that they would have a national headliner traveling in town and stuff. So he would do his show at, let's say, 8 o'clock, but at 7.30, the open mic would start. So basically, people were performing in front of real audiences, which when you you start off in comedy, like, you you don't get that for years. Like, that shit, you know, you don't get that. So basically, um, it's... uh, 
I saw this con- this open mic, and it, you know, all the open mic comedians were 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 god awful. Like, uh, <laughs> it's it's funny. This guy comes up, and he's like, it's creepy, like school shooter white dude. Like, he just looks uneasy, and he does these jokes about how if he were a cannibal, he would cook people according to like what their race is. Right. And everybody gets really uncomfortable and he starts talking about I'm pretty like, sure. Yeah, and he's like if you you know if 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 it was a Chinese person, you know, I would make like sweet and sour Chinese guy and like just say like really fucking terrible yeah. shit that's not funny and everybody cringeworthy. Got, yeah, everybody is in yeah. the in the audience just cringing and like it's just bad. <laughs> so I'm like if that fucking guy can do it, I can fucking do it. So right. I, go, I go home and I spend like a month just writing, just getting shit ready. And I go back a month later and uh, I show up to the club and I'm like, yeah, I'm here for the open mic. And the club owner was like, oh, hey, man, listen, we had to cancel that. This guy was talking about <laughs> eating people. So <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! So the, the open mic that I went to just was the last one ever. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. So way I, to go, guy. Yeah, way to I go. know. So I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. So I just I eventually I, I was living in Savannah. And the great thing about Savannah is it's a it's an art school. There, the whole downtown area of Savannah is a bunch of young artists. So you had people like walking around going like, I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a painter. And I I'd never met people like that before. So all of a sudden, like my dream of like doing stand up didn't seem so crazy. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to be a stand up. And I just moved to New York City in 2011. I never been there before. Just kind of like packed my bag life into a couple of bags and just showed up. And I just started doing open mics. Like it's just kind of how it started. Damn, that's crazy. Oh, that, that that must have been a journey then, huh? Oh, it was nuts, man. I, I didn't even realize because I was so excited to be in New York and to do stand up that I didn't realize how like close I was to like being homeless and shit. Like oh, I, fuck. I didn't save up nearly as much money as I should have. I saved up like three grand. And New York City is fucking expensive. You guys are oh, yeah. in LA, you guys know. Yeah, oh, we, we know. It's, so, it's crazy. It's yeah. ridiculous. So I'm in New York. I have $3,000 in my pocket and I have like a room set up. I have a room set up for one month in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is like 25 minutes from uh, Manhattan via uh, the PATH train, which is basically like the New Jersey subway. And because okay. a friend of mine just so happened to know a guy who was subleasing his room for that month. So it just it was perfect. But I had a one month to find a place to live. So I'm just like, I've I'm just literally doing open mics, going to look at hotels, trying to find a job or not hotels. I'm sorry. Apartments, trying to find a job. Like that's what I'm just doing every day. And I just love stand up so much that I didn't really realize how I was just running out of money and I couldn't find a place. And it just so happened. I found this place in, um, in, in, uh, Harlem, uh, like Spanish Harlem, like 145th street. And, uh, it was this, um, this, this old lady and she wanted to rent her room out and her, and her, uh, in our apartment for like $175 a week or something like that. And I, I literally had gone through all of my money and I literally had $175 left. And I just, oh, I just gave it to her and I'm like, okay, I have a week to make another $175. <laughs> right. So I ended up, I just ended up, I found a job waiting tables and like the minute I got paid was when the next rent was due and I just threw all my money mm-hmm. at it. And I just was like, it was crazy. I mean, it was, I, I, I was, I was staying at a hotel at one point cause the, I was in, uh, I had the place in Hoboken set up for me, but then after I, uh, basically I, uh, 
I didn't have a place to stay. So for a whole week, I basically was in and out of hotels trying to find, you know, a place to, to stay. So I, uh, I, I was living at the Chelsea Hotel, if you've ever been to the Chelsea Hotel. Uh, it's a pretty famous hotel in New York, but I, I, I live there um uh-huh. for for like a week which that burned through so much of my money <laughs> i'm pretty and, sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah and uh i ended up making it work but it was pretty scary at the beginning yeah i'm pretty sure so for anybody that's listening when you do comedy you don't blow up like in an, in an instant <laughs> okay? oh no not at all it, it takes it takes years yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm nine years in right now, and it's like, yeah, I I'm you know I I I'm happy with like where I am in terms of like how good of a comedian I am, but in terms of like right. the amount of uh, success I'm having at the moment, you it's know, not where you want it to be. Yeah, of course. I right, mean, it's right. it's it's just such an uphill battle. It's like, yeah, and you know, the funny thing is that I got passed at a comedy club, like a pretty big club here in New York, the Comic Strip, and uh, I got passed literally like on March fourth. And then a week later, the whole fucking city shuts down. <laughs> so oh, like, I, I got basically like paid, you know, like when you get passed at a comedy club, it means that they book you for paid spots. So it's an opportunity to get paid. And it's a big, right. it's a big deal. I mean, like, you know, I have my own show that I do once a month that I charge at the door and I, and I'll get a little bit of money from that. And then, you know, road stuff. I do the road a lot, like Philadelphia, Boston, things like that. You get some money for doing that, but it's not really consistent. Like if you get club spots, in New York city, that's where you like, you get more consistent money where you get like five spots a week, six spots a week, whatever from certain clubs and they're all paid spots. So that's a way to, you know, get some income from it. Well, I literally just got it done and then the whole place burned. Yeah. The whole thing just, Oh man, that must've hurt. Yeah. yeah. Must've hurt. (laughs) Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, what about, uh, your first, I guess you can say gig. When did that happen? I got the first time I did stand up in front of real people was pretty funny. I, I, I got invited to do this. Um, it was basically a show like the way it worked. It was, it's, I've never really seen anything quite like it is, um, they have something called bucket mics in, in here and I'm sure everywhere else too. It basically means comedians show up, they all put their name in a bucket and then they draw their names out. And that's the order of who gets to go on stage. Well, someone was doing a show where they, they got a real audience and they booked people, but then they would have a bucket that anybody could put their name into. And then they would, during the show, they would pull out three names total. So the chances of you getting on stage were not good. There's probably, you know, 10, 15 comedians there, you know, there's three spots, everybody has their name in, but there's real audience members. So this, at this point I was about three months into comedy and the only thing I've ever done is open mics. Right. And it was, I was pretty scared. As a matter of fact, I showed up, and I put my name in. And as soon as I put my name in, I was like, yeah, I hope I get called. And then as soon as the show started, I'm like, man, I hope I don't get called. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> right. I was just like, this is scary. There's real people here and stuff. And I got called and I, I went on and, you know, I got some laughs and stuff, which is, I mean, you're always like, when you start comedy, there's no way around it. You're always terrible. It's, it's like, you have to be bad at it before you can get any good at it. It's just the way it is. So like when I say I got some laughs and stuff and it made me feel amazing and I walked out of there feeling like a million bucks, but it's not, it's not like I was good, you know, (laughs) you know, I was still three months in the comedy, but having those couple laughs, like put a lot of it made you feel in. good yeah yeah, I, yeah exactly yeah, it put, good. put me winded my sales it, it took me for another couple months like that's what yeah. stand-up does like you know every little little bit of success little um 
little uh, personal like landmark or uh, benchmark, I should say, uh, that you you get to. It keeps you going. It keeps you hungry. It keeps you happy. You know. But there's a lot of shit in between those benchmarks too. Oh, I'm pretty sure, uh, and I'm pretty sure uh, when you first started out, you're you were scared of like bombing, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's weird. I've never really, I've ne- I never really was scared to bomb necessarily, but you just want to do well. So it's like you're more afraid of not getting the feeling of doing well and like feeling embarrassed and stuff. Like I, I've gone on stage before where I haven't, I, I've maybe not bombed, but I didn't do as well as I wanted to, but there was outside factors that something to do with it. Like if you go on late at night, you're in front of drunk crowds or like you're, there's a lot that goes into making a comedy show, a good comedy show. And sometimes, especially when you're a young comic, there's just shit that's out of your control. And no matter how good you are, you're just, it's not going to work. So like, it wasn't necessarily bombing that I was afraid of. It was just more of like, it's so important to you as a young comedian to be good at this. And when you do bad, it makes you feel like you don't belong. It makes you feel like what you're doing is unrealistic. It makes you feel like, Oh, what the fuck am I thinking? Like, that's really what, right, it, yeah. that's really what yeah. it is. It's like the existential <laughs> dread of, am I not cut out for this? Not necessarily right. like living in the moment of actually bombing there, which doesn't feel good either. I mean, that sucks too. But like, I think like yeah. the, the other, the rest of it, um, is is worse oh yeah i'm pretty sure uh how do you deal i you know i asked this question to the to the two other guys in the previous episode uh hecklers how do you deal with them <sighs> so i you know th- so there's a difference <laughs> there's a difference in hecklers like very a lot of times you see like clips blow up on the internet of like a cl- uh, of a heckler going like yelling at the comedian and like training insults and then all this shit i've never had an experience like that like i've gone i've gone on in front of rowdy crow rowdy crowds where you know people are talkative and you might have to shut somebody up a little bit in some way because they're being disruptive but i've never had somebody just blatantly insult me out of the blue and it's really what it is is the longer you do it the more comfortable you are on stage and the more comfortable you are on stage the more you can divert from your script so right. if you're really comfortable on stage and like I like I had a show, one of my last shows before this whole thing went down, there was just this woman in the audience who she was having a great time, but she was one of those people who kind of like repeat the punchline back or oh. yeah, or they say shit yeah. like, oh, that shit's crazy. <laughs> and it's like when you're when you're that loud, you know, and I'm trying to talk in a certain rhythm, it can disrupt my rhythm. But right. I I was just able to kind of, you know, as soon as she said something, you know, make kind of make fun of her in a way that wasn't insulting to her, you know, right. I, like th- that's the mistake that I think comedians make. They think like shutting down a heckler is basically being like, hey, fuck you. You know, <laughs> right. like it's just like it, that no one wants to see that. Like no one in the audience is going to have fun. Like you just come across as aggressive. You come off as an asshole. So like the real way to handle a heckler is, is to is to make fun of them without being mean in a way and also like getting the crowd to laugh at it. It's got to have some sort of lightheartedness to it. Maybe the lightheartedness isn't the right word, but it's, it's, it can't just be a full-on insult like, hey, you're the worst fucking person in the world and I hope you die. Right. You know, it's got to be right. – it still has to be fun. <laughs> 
There's there there needs to be a little bit of joy in the insult. <laughs> yeah, and it's also it just and I think it also is is like if you appear to be flustered or hurt or upset, that also kind of sets a tone in a room. There's a lot of tone that you pick up on like the mood or the energy of a room. Like I noticed like I run a show once a month. Um it's at this bar in New York and uh, Brooklyn called Halyards. Uh, it's a okay. monthly show. It's called a hungry wit. I have a cooking show too, uh, that I do it's on YouTube. And, um, it's basically the live version of the show is I cook something, I bring it to the show and, uh, people get to eat my food. And then we, I do stand up with some of my friends. It's a, it's a good show. Tickets are only 10 bucks. They're on a vamp, right? If you, when the civilization gets back, if anybody right. is in New York and wants to go look, look <laughs> them up on a vamp, right? But, um, the point is, is like, I, Every show, I would always put music on in the room as people are sitting. And when you have music on in a room, it creates this kind of energy that no one is really aware of. And they start talking amongst themselves. And this like little bit of energy, this little bit of buzz picks up in the room where everybody's talking, everybody's excited, everybody's having fun. Well, the last show that I did, there was like a, a speaker malfunction to where we couldn't get music in the room. And everybody when they sat, it was just dead quiet. So people started whispering to each other. Cause if you talk loud in a quiet room, it's like seen as rude and everybody's just like talking. You know? right. And then when the show started, there was no buzz or energy and we had to like create it. So it took like two or three comedians to like really get the um, crowd going. So like there's certain little energies like that you pick up on when you're, when you're doing comedy and, and, and the way that if you're on stage, and you appear to be flustered or you start to get angry with a heckler, that energy can kind of permeate a room and it kind of sets it down and it's not a good thing. Oh, okay. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, we, G and I went to a, to a comedy show. Uh, like what, what was it, G, like three years ago that I yeah, said in the last episode? Like in August. Yeah, it was August of 2017, you know. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Summer, I remember. What yeah, what, and, uh, uh, what place was it? The was it the Hollywood Improv? Yeah, it was Hollywood Improv. Yeah, Hollywood Improv. Uh, some YouTubers that we that we follow, they they do like a comedy show, and that was one of their stops. And I told G, hey, let's go watch them, and we did. Uh, and the beginning of the show, there was just one heckler. Just he just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> Like, yeah like he just wouldn't shut up like he kept commenting on like the stories that they yeah. were telling or like he had he just had to say something you know like, he just couldn't stay quiet yeah and uh fucking uh, we were i was annoyed and i wasn't even performing you know <laughs> you know yeah. and, and g was annoyed um i think even i think everybody in the whole yeah, in the whole everybody. room was annoyed yeah, and and they called them out, you know, like at the end of the show, they were like, "Yeah, hey, you know, thanks, thanks for everyone for coming out, especially this asshole right here." And like they even pointed at him, and everyone just started clapping and everything. <laughs> but but you know, even though he was still like commenting and heckling, like it was still a pretty good show. You know, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it honestly takes a lot for one person to ruin a show. Like for them to actually right. ruin it, it's uh. It's uh, it takes a lot, you know. We I've been on multiple shows where there, there's been audience members who disrupted things from time to time, but it hasn't ever. It rarely gets to a point where that one person is ruining the show and they have to be removed or things like that. Now, right. you know, it happens more frequently at certain places, and like you know, it's just I think part of it's just like the luck of it. I haven't really dealt with that, you know, yet. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a thing where it's not it's never really in my mind. Like when I go on stage, I'm never like, oh, I hope no one heckles me. It's like I don't even think about right. it. That's not even a thought of mine. Like not even close yeah. to being a thought of mine. How long does it take for you to prepare for a show, like to rehearse? It depends on a show. Like um, when I go on the road and I do longer sets, you know, I do like between I could either do a half hour or up to an hour, depending on the, the, the room and like the show and who booked me and how many comics are on the show. And when I do longer sets, I have to like sit down and, uh, you know, really plan how I want to do it and where I want to do certain material because, you know, like, the key to a longer set is to have some sort of, or at least this is how I like to do it. I like material that transitions into other material. So like, if I know I'm going to do like 30 minutes, like let's say if I opened up on a joke about uh, like trying to lose weight, I wouldn't want to do more jokes about trying to lose weight, you know, 40 minutes later. I'd want to get all that chunk done and transition into something, you know, the next subject and like make the transition make sense. Like that's how I like to do it. I mean, people have their own ways of doing it. So when I, um, you know, when I do longer sets, you know, I'll sit down maybe like for 30 minutes maybe and, and just write down like the set list of the order of what I want to go through. Um, when I'm doing like regular, you know, sets in New York, like when you're doing a spot in New York, it's anywhere between like 8 and 15 minutes. Usually then, you know, I'll, I'll have a, a, a game plan in my head where depending on the show, like if it's a, if it's a bar show um, – a lot of bar shows are run by comedians, like my bar show. Like, uh, I use those opportunities to try to just work on stuff, you know, like new ideas. So I'll have an idea where I'll open up with like two or three minutes of stuff that I know works, that'll get laughs, and then I'll try five minutes of the new stuff I've been working on, and then I'll close with, you know, three to five minutes of stuff that I know works. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I – and that preparation doesn't really take much um, because I know, you know, I know the opener that works. I know the closer that works. It's really just trying out the new stuff. And that's just like, you just write almost every day as a comedian. So you always have the new stuff like ready to go. And for me, I love trying new stuff. It's what I, one of my favorite things to do to try to get a new chunk of material to work. So, uh, it, it's just one of those things where I actually get really excited when I have to, when I get to do a bunch of new stuff. Um, cause that's fun for me. It's like, I can, I have a new idea. Like the best thing for me is having a new idea. I love it. I love having a new idea right. that I can really get into and like really try hard on it. It's, it's great. It's my favorite. How, how do you come up with those jokes or like, um, where do you draw inspiration? I, I always say like my standup is basically like the lens that I see the world through and all of my inspiration of material comes from my life. And I just find it easier that way. And I also find it more authentic. Like, like I can sit down, like I can sit down and what I say is like manufacture comedy. Like I can just go, okay, set up punchline. That's how a joke structure works. But to me, like what makes comedy, what's what makes good comedy good and sets apart from regular comedy is if the person saying it has a point of view. And if the person is saying it has like conviction over what they say. So for me, like, just jokes i don't really care for particularly like for me anyway like i can see somebody do jokes like a guy like anthony jeselnik who writes jokes very much joke form not very personal they don't really let him in let anybody into what he who he is what he is anything like that where he comes from anything like that and he does it on purpose because that's his style and he does really well with it and he kills and he's like he's awesome i particularly don't like that style for myself like i don't have fun doing stuff like that i don't like to just write 
jokes and i'm not necessarily concerned about the technical side of it as much as i am the point of view side of it so like i like i got a dog a couple years ago so i have like five minutes on my dog and you know i got married so i have five minutes on being married and like those are like that that's where it comes for me it's expression where i can like kind of talk about my life on stage and like make it funny and that that's where all my stuff comes from oh that's that's pretty cool (laughs) it's not this not as bad um but uh when you perform like on the road like how you said i'm pretty sure it's different environments right yeah yeah for sure um i really find that in new york um it's almost like running with weights on in a way like new york city uh when you go on stage in new york city you're in competition with every type of like every comedy club every movie that's out in theaters every broadway show it's all like people are like looking for things to do and it better be fucking good so when you go on right. in, in new york <laughs> it's like there, there's just like a little bit more pressure and then the, the audiences are more diverse too it's like you go on stage at a comedy club in new york city there's gonna be some people who live in new york and there's going to be like someone on vacation from you know Miami, and then there's going to be a, a couple from Germany, and then there's going to be an Indian family from you know India who's on vacation and like stuff like that. And you got to be able to make all those people laugh. And right. I find that when I go on the road, a lot of times it's like you go to Boston, and Boston is more of like a, a less diverse parochial city, and that like you go to Boston, everybody in the crowd is from Boston. Everybody in the crowd grew up similarly everybody in the crowd and it's just like you can make those people laugh and it's just a little easier if if maybe easier is the right word it's just i guess it's just like there's an enthusiasm like when i i do the show a lot in philadelphia at this place called the raven lounge and the audiences there are just so excited for our show where in new york i feel like there's some excitement but they have more of like a yeah you better be good in philadelphia they're just like i'm just happy to be here this is awesome i'm so happy i'm here so like it's almost like the enthusiasm is already there whereas in new york you have to create your own enthusiasm oh okay so when I go on the road, sometimes it's like I, you know, this show, like you almost like I've had shows on the road where they gone so well that I'm like I almost don't believe it. You know right. what I mean? I'm like I'm like you guys, right, right. you guys must be dumb or something to laugh at everything <laughs> that I said. They're like you laughed at the setup, like I don't even, you know what I mean? Like wasn't even yeah, the right. joke part of it. Right. You know? <laughs> so I haven't I, even gone into my my thing yet. Yeah, exactly. They're already <laughs> laughing at everything because they're just they're just they're just so char- they're amped. They're just ready to for a comedy yeah. show, you know? Oh, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, well, like when you see that though, when like uh, people like already start laughing, and you're not you're not even your your jokes yet, or you're like, okay, yeah, this is gonna be easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you definitely know like the energy when you're on stage, like. You're basically when you get on stage and that the first couple of minutes are going so well, you just go, yeah, the rest of this is going to be easy. I just can't lose them. And it's a lot harder to lose them than it is to I guess it's harder to lose it's how do I say it? It's harder to lose them than it is easier to get them on your side if they aren't feeling you. You know what I mean? So like if you have them and everybody's loving you, it's actually kind of hard to completely lose them. Whereas if you're on stage and you haven't got them yet, it's it's hard to get them. It's hard to get them to that point where they're all on your side. Have you oh, okay. Like instance where like the crowd stays quiet. Like, like yeah. Even, like... 
Like, how what do you yeah. do at that point? There's a couple different tactics you can use here. So some comedians are kind of have like a kind of a troublemaker uh, kind of vibe to them. So like if they're on stage and they're not and they're bombing, they could just start just going like, hey, guys, you guys suck. You guys are not good audience members. <laughs> and they can just start going in on the audience for shitting. And sometimes I'll, I'll make some jokes where I go, you know, like I guess they call them save lines and save lines are basically like when you say a joke and it doesn't do well and then you say a comment about how that joke didn't do well and it gets a laugh now there's some comedians who rely solely on save lines and it's like I've seen a comedian have a good set only on save lines (laughs) like it's crazy like they tell their joke it bombs and they go well I thought that was funny and then that that gets a laugh and then he tells another joke That joke bombs, and he goes, "Geez, you guys are, you know, you guys just don't like me." And then they laugh at that, and then he gets off stage acting like he's good. I'm like, "Bro, like your jokes actually suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> your save lines were fine. So, but it's not bad to have some of those save lines in your in your tool, you know, belt, you know, in case you have a crowd where you sell a joke and because it is it's pretty funny." to try to make somebody laugh and they don't laugh. Like when you really think about it, it's, that's kind of hilarious that I'm trying to make you laugh and you're just like, nah, like, no, nope. nah, not today, man. That didn't register on emotion with me. <laughs> like it's right. kind of, it's kind of funny. Uh, you just have to find a way to crawl your way out. You know, it's, it's just a survival instincts kind of take over. And you know, like there are certain things you can do, but at the same time, I also like, if I was giving advice to comedians, like, I also don't think you should change who you are fundamentally to make a, to get like, you shouldn't do whatever it takes to get laughs because if you're not doing what you do, then maybe they're just not into you and that's okay. Like everybody has different tastes, you know, people like different comedians and that's fine. That's totally fine. Like to me, like I, I do crap. I do sometimes the late shows in New York and like the late shows are drunk audiences and I don't want to, I don't like to change. I don't like to change my material to, to, to make it, to where a drunk person likes it. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like to right. basically, because like drunk people tend to generally like filthy material. And like, right. and because they're, it's like two in the morning, we're in the basement of a bar, everybody's drunk. And they're just like, when you say terrible shit, people kind of laugh at it because they're drunk. But if you have something that, you know, is a little bit more clever, they might not get it or they might not enjoy it for whatever reason. To me, it's like, it's not worth changing who you are just to get a laugh at one, 2 a.m. You know, everybody's different though everybody has their thing you know i i personally don't feel like that yeah yeah like i said everyone's different i mean i'm pretty sure you don't expect everyone to laugh at your jokes no and honestly you don't want everybody to laugh at your jokes yeah because if you're doing comedy like the way that i like to do comedy there has to be a little bit of resistance you know like it can't can't just be easy fucking shit that everybody can just jump on board with you gotta you gotta push the envelope a little bit at least right. I think so. Right. What are some of the topics that you, you tell when you do comedy? Um, some or just various. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, it really just depends on what I'm, where I am in my life. Like, like I said earlier, like, you know, I, I, I got married and I, I have a dog and I went to Italy for the honeymoon. So like now I'm working on a whole chunk about being married, going on the honeymoon you know, what that's right. like. Uh, and that's just, just kind of 
where it all comes from. And that's just depends on where I am. And then I'll have like bigger stuff, but I like more macro ideas about, you know, society as a whole. But to me, I think like the best way to get to those ideas is through a personal story. Like I, I have a, I have a joke about my dog and I'm talking about my dog, but I have a joke in it where basically like I'm trying to put, I had to buy my dog shoes and I'm trying to put my shoes on my dog. And, uh, Basically, I saw a tag inside the shoe that said "Made in China," and it's like Jesus. How, how much of a bummer must it be to work at that sweatshop? You know, like you know. So, like, I can make a bigger comment about sweatshops and stuff, but in the under the scope of it being about my dog, and then I can make that leap and then get back to my dog story. And I find that that's a better way of talking about world issues because you don't want to be the comic on stage who's preachy who's like, you know, like Bill Maher or whatever, just basically like telling you how to feel about shit. Like, I I hate that, you know? So I like to talk about bigger societal things, but I like to do it through the lens of something personal. Right. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. Because I'll laugh at that. Well, that's me. I don't know about she. Maybe she might laugh. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Um, Yeah, no problem. Um so talk a little bit about New York, just so people can visualize if they haven't ever visited New York or yeah. don't even have a clue what New York looks like. Well, I, I, I love New York, man. It's, it's, it is funny. I, I'm still in New York. I'm still in Brooklyn, but I miss New York because I've just been inside predominantly because of this shit. Right. So it's like it's a weird to be in New York but miss New York. But New York just has an energy about it. Like New York is just – especially in, in comedy in particular like you can re- if you're really hustling you can do a lot of stage time here everybody takes public transit so like they say in new york is the place where you can go to get on stage and you can get on stage a lot like you know la comedians will talk about how like if they're lucky they get three spots in one night like i know of some right. comedians who do six or seven a night so like you know you can get better quickly because you're doing more time here um but the city by itself like there's just something great about it like it's just like an energy uh, and it, it, it's kind of like an attitude and it's almost like there's a little bit of like a superiority where like we're better and it, it shows off in like restaurants and things like that where like people go restaurants will like try really hard to be really good and like but then you get like the opposite of that where people trying to like there's a lot of like people don't talk about this there's a lot of shitty New York City pizza because they just skate by on the reputation of New York. But there's some there's like the best pizza here and then there's a lot of shitty places here because like the the shitty places are people just trying to cash in on, oh, it's New York City pizza. Come and get it. But then there's also the people here who are like pizza is my life and I'm going to make the best fucking pizza. And that's what I love about New York is like there's so much ambition here. Like there's so many there's so much like people trying to be the best at what they can do. And then in their minds, they can't be the best at what they do unless they pull it off here. And that's uh, that's something I really love about it. Right, right. Yeah, because, you know, L.A. and New York, two different complete cities. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same. Um, what What is it about New York that makes it unique, if you can say? I, it's, it's something. It's like we take the subway... There's like there's a common struggle of New York. We all take the subway together. Like if you're fucking rich as shit and you live on Wall Street, we're still at right. the same, we're still at the same bar. You know, we still eat the same restaurants. We take the subway together. Like we walk in the same streets together. There's not as much separation between the rich and the poor 
um, as there are, you know, in other places. Like, you know, like in, in L.A., for example, like the hills, like all the celebrities in their mansions. And their right. Houses. Yeah. Like, there's like, there's not, I mean, there's the Hamptons that someone takes a helicopter to, but those motherfuckers yeah. are in new york the rest of the time like manhattan so yeah obviously there's um there's a huge disparity between the rich and poor here in new york and there's you know there's certain places social clubs and special places clubs things like that that only those people go to that's not exactly what i'm saying but there is a common struggle that i find uh doesn't really exist in a lot of places uh where everybody is continuously going through the same shit like we all have to smell that guy who pissed himself on the subway like no matter how much money <laughs> right. we make a year you know like, right. we right. all gotta smell a piss <laughs> right uh, new york pizza yeah do you do you think it's the best pizza ever I it's like I said. Putting on the spot right here, man. There's a lot. There's a lot of shitty pizza in New York. Like I said, of people who just skate by on the reputation of "Hey, this is New York." So I think that there are places outside of New York City, Connecticut, New Jersey, uh, that have excellent pizza because they have to. They have to try really hard to compete with New York City pizza, and they. Like they make excellent pizza, but I think the style of New York pizza, the the crispy crust, the flat big slices, right? That's just a really great slice. It's just fun to eat. Now, yeah. you know, you go to Detroit and it's like a pan style pizza where it's yeah. a little bit thicker. Like I I love bread, so I kind of prefer kind of more bread in my pizza like i don't mind like right. a deep dish type style pizza like a pan pizza to new yorkers that's sacrilegious they want to fold it and eat it while they walk yeah <laughs> but i went to rome and i went to this in rome uh, italy on the honeymoon and i went i went to this place and in rome they have these these pizzas that are basically like focaccia bread with all these different toppings i'd have oh, to okay. say that that might be the best pizza i've ever had that shit was awesome oh man I've never been to Italy, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you recommend it? Going to I, Italy? Absolutely. And after this whole COVID thing, they're gonna need from some uh some some tour they make so much of their money from tourism, it's a big part of Italy. And like yeah. Italy's basically been shut down for two months and like the amount of devastation that they've had is insane. Like the yeah, it's people crazy. So you know, it's a thing where um definitely go to italy it's 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 you won't be disappointed i mean italy you know what they do in italy that i just love is like they're not obsessed with with mass production and making a buck you know like right you know like you walk into a place called like you know enzo's knife shop and like fucking enzo's Uh there making a knife like he makes like that's a like who like there's no knife shop and you, you don't like you don't just go right, to right, your yeah. local yeah. knife shop. You know, Ferrari, <laughs> right. Ferrari only releases like ten to fifteen thousand cars a year, and people right. go, "Ooh, look at them! They're just being." But the, you know, Ferrari says is they like that's the only way we can guarantee that every Ferrari is awesome is if we don't make a million of them, like they do with like you know Ford, you know Broncos or whatever, where they just make a thousand, you know, million Fords on an assembly line. It just churns out in Italy. They're like you know. I, I really care about my car, so I'm not going to make too much to where it they suck. I'm going to make the right amount where I can guarantee they're all good. And that's kind of the attitude they have with their food. 
um, when it comes to like their, their, their cuisine, their pastas, their wines, everything. It's like, why would we rush it? Why would we make it as cheap as possible? Why would we do that when we can just take our time and make the best version of it? And that's what I really loved about Italy. Right. Yeah. All right, G. There we have it. We're going to go to Italy one day. (laughs) 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 It's fucking crazy. Um, But anyways, Nick, that's it. That's all we have for today. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, Thank you so much. I'd love to plug some uh, YouTube stuff, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, go ahead, man. So uh, I just released a cooking show a couple weeks ago. It's called Hungry Wit. My last name is Whitmer, Nick Whitmer. Uh, and uh, I have three episodes up already. You can get them on YouTube. If you follow me on Instagram, Nick underscore Whitmer, W-H-I-T-M-E-R. I post stuff all the time, food videos, comedy videos, things like that. Um, so if you like food stuff and you like uh, you know, comedy, follow me. I'm a good follow. I promise I won't annoy you. And, uh, check and, yeah, yeah, trust. And, <laughs> trust. And go to HungryWit.com. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for coming on, man. And links will be in the description on the YouTube version of this uh, episode of the podcast. Oh, nice. Nick, again, Nick, thank you so much. Yep. G, Take care, let's call guys. it a day. All right, man. Latest. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time. Bye. Say all of my niggas be bossed up. Don't play with my game, get crossed up. I hang with them niggas who stepping. We call up your hoe and re read it. I stay in my lane, I can't fall with them. Dick Glock leave a stain if you play with him. I keep me a shooter like piston. Be watching my wrist and it glisten. Say all of my niggas be bossed up. Don't play with my game, get crossed up. I hang with them niggas who stepping. We call up your hoe and re read it. I stay in my lane, I can't fall with them. Dick Glock leave a stain if you play with him. I keep me a shooter like piston. Be watching my wrist and it glisten. I roll my nigga, we ride out. Y'all hold just a freak with a thighs out